Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. I hope you guys are doing and feeling the best that you can today. I'm so excited to be back chatting with you guys. I'm sorry about last week and not releasing an episode, but there's a lot of shit going on. And so before I get into the episode, before I get into updates, I want to address everything that's going on. And I want to just say that if you don't want to listen to this section of the podcast because you're trying to protect your peace or things have felt really isolating or like a lot of pressure or maybe they felt you know a little suffocating please skip over this protect your peace um okay so now i'm gonna talk about it so obviously uh this is coming a bit late to the game this is not news to me or any of you i assume but roe v wade was overturned by the supreme court last friday so about a week we've been living in this hellish reality um i I, you know, I was in LA last week and I woke up a few hours after the verdict had been posted and it was very overwhelming. And I think, you know, however you're reacting, however you're grieving, because I think this is a time of grief. And I think that's something that we're not talking about. You know, we we immediately jump to like, what are we going to do? Which is amazing because it needs to be there. Our priorities and attention and energy need to be there. But I also want to remind you that however you're reacting is completely valid and you should take the space to react in that way. I don't know if I've really addressed or like figured out how I'm carrying this grief myself. And I think that that's happening on a day-to-day basis. And I think, you know, as long as you are putting your money where your mouth is as you are able and if you are able and donating to abortion funds, I'm really trying to focus my attention on community aid and abortion funds at this time, just because the bigger corporations, we stand Planned Parenthood. We love them. They have a lot of money already. And while it's great to be giving them that money, I'm trying to focus my energy on abortion funds and on mutual aid. I'm posting a bunch of it on my story. If you need it, I'm running a fundraiser for the National Network of Abortion Funds. I'm really proud of the way that my followers and other people have come together at this time to donate. Um, I think as long as you're doing those things and you know, you're doing what needs to be done at this time you're doing enough you're doing plenty and if you needed time to process this before jumping into you know organizing and fundraising and all that that's fine too you know we we forget to talk about how our generation specifically has grown up and also come of age in a time where terrible terrible shitty things from political things to social justice related things are happening on a global scale pretty consistently in a way that can feel really isolating and can completely swallow you whole. So I want to make sure you're taking the time to prioritize your mental health because of course you've heard already, please fundraise, please donate, please organize, please protest. I also think that something that's really been interesting for me is like this objectively is not going to affect me because I'm a white woman with money and resources in a blue state and access to care and I will always have access to care. What is so heartbreaking for me is that this issue and ones like this are completely class and race related. It is impossible to speak about one without speaking the other about speaking about the other. This will 100% impact people who live below the poverty line, people who live in red states who cannot access care because they cannot afford it. It will predominantly affect black and brown people with uteruses. And that to me is fucking heartbreaking. And I think that as a white woman, I have a opportunity and an obligation to use that privilege to to fundraise, to find ways that I can get money into the hands of people that don't have the opportunities that I do to get health care because abortion is health care to me. Um, it's, it's really scary and I've been feeling helpless and I think that that's really normal. I think that community has been really helpful and, and finding pockets of community, be it in protest and organizing and fundraising. It's, it's really helpful when you're feeling, when you're feeling helpless, if you are able and comfortable in having conversations with people in your life that are pro-life, that's really fucking important because there's, there's a lot of them out there. And the whole reason to me that this is happening is a mixture of complicit white women and white cis men um that's that's why we're here you know and i think that having conversations with those people ending relationships with people that quote don't have an opinion on the matter unquote or are pro-life it's really important and it's heavy and i had to do it myself i found out that someone i was dating was pro-life and i had to end the relationship and it was the kind of thing where love isn't enough because i can't love somebody who doesn't believe in my rights or the rights of other people i just can't it doesn't work for me so having those difficult conversations is really important if you are in a relationship with a cis het man 
he should be donating. Like you got to make sure that these men are donating to abortion funds because we need them. We need them to stand with us. You know, we see so much pressure for people who have had abortions people with uteruses to come out and tell their stories of why they had an abortion and maybe relive that trauma and be brave. You know, there are clearly, clearly and obviously cishet men that have been involved in those abortions that have been involved in creating that that fetus. And they need to be sharing those stories too. We need to be putting an equal amount of attention on both, on everyone. Because I, I see, I think, a lot of weight placed currently on people with uteruses to be speaking up about this. And it's not just our job, frankly. So I think that that's really important. Um, if you're going on dates and you want to bring it up, I think that's normal. And I think anyone who thinks that's weird isn't worth your time. You know, there's, there's a lot of nuance here. And I think um, I've said this before, but I think that what's really tough about having a platform is that I the ethos of my platform has always been to help people no matter what. And I, I want to do things because this is what I truly believe. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really having trouble putting it all into words and it's going to make me emotional. And I feel like I've honestly pulled myself together finally on Thursday, being it like six days later, you know, I, I have an obligation. I feel I have an obligation to at least let you all know that I believe in your rights. You know, that's kind of like bare minimum to me. I don't really know if content creators have an a greater obligation to do much else. I think if they choose to, that's wonderful. And if you're choosing to fundraise or share resources, that's really important. But I think finger pointing and saying, why isn't this person doing something? They must be pro-life. That's a projection and frankly, an assumption because that person might be grieving personally or privately. That person might have... Uh, an undiscussed trauma that they don't want to bring into the space at this time. That person might be working in private to fundraise and organize, and they aren't interested in bringing that into the, you know, sphere of conversation where people are going to call what they're doing, not enough or too much. You know, I think we need to be redirecting our energy from that to, you know, using what we have as human beings and donating ourselves and organizing ourselves and standing up for people ourselves, because talking about what people are and aren't doing is, is it's really not helpful in any way, shape or form. And I do believe that it is important to know that the people that you're investing in and following on the internet do believe in your rights. Don't get me wrong, but Specifically, I think it's tough with the finger pointing stuff because you really don't know why someone is choosing to maybe withhold hosting a massive fundraiser or what have you. Um, I'm really lucky that I've been able to rally the the troops and the troops being my my Instagram followers and TikTok followers. I'm really proud of you guys. And I'm always going to stand up for your rights and I'm going to do the best I can. You know, I'm, I'm fucking scared. I definitely think it's feeling of helplessness. But in, in these times, something that I try to latch on to is hope, because in our generation, I see a lot of that. And you guys are a testament to that every day. So that's kind of all I wanted to say. You know, I, I think that there is a lot of sound in this space right now and there should be. But I try every single day to straddle the line of like helping people and encouraging people and also giving people a space to laugh, to take a load off, to say, I feel a little fucking better after watching that. Or I think I'm going to get out of bed because I listened to that. And I want to continue to do both at the same time because I think that I don't have to be one thing and neither do you. So that's that. And now we're going to get into the rest of the updates. And the episode today is about loneliness and isolation. And I think it, it, it does go hand in hand because I think there's can be a very prolonged feeling of loneliness when something like this is going on um, and if you need anything dm me bump me i'm doing the best i can to answer everybody and give everyone the support they need okay so like i said i was in la for vidcon now i had never been like a youtube girly um back in the day i know emma chamberlain's back on youtube i need to watch it still i haven't um but i go on youtube to like puff puff pass and watch fucking like science videos like that's why i'm on there like my ass is not like watching influencers on youtube love influencers obviously but like I that was never what I was doing as a kid so I don't think VidCon was ever something that I was like super interested in it was really interesting to go there and see hear about how it's transformed and see kind of like what it is now um it I was there with Spotify which is amazing I'm in a partnership with them which is like the most exciting thing in the world and makes me fucking feral because it's one of my favorite brands we stayed in the nicest hotel and I had a lot of downtime. So there was a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to write. I had a lot of time to kind of just sit with my thoughts, which was tough because I do have anxiety. Um, and there were parties. So 
I'm going to break down the parties for you because like everyone wants to be on the inside, you know? So the Instagram party was like a bar mitzvah in the best way. Like it reminded me of like your rich cousin's bar mitzvah. <laughs> like that's what it reminded me of. It was really fun. They had Lotto perform and Lotto was amazing. And then the TikTok thing, the TikTok party was in like a frat house. Like it was literally a fraternity party, but everywhere you looked, like you saw TikTokers. Like I was talking to Costin Mayer and being like, I just want you guys to know that like I, I deeply want to dance. I, I like I want I'd like to dance. Um, and they were like, okay, like, you know, there were content creators, like literally everywhere, except for it was like in a frat house effectively, which was insane and really fun. The prime video party had, um, the chain smokers perform and it was effectively a rave. Like that was when I was like, you know what? I'm Irish exiting. So I did Irish exit. And then Spotify's after party was at Disneyland and they rented out the California adventure part of Disneyland and guys, holy fuck, like Boy, do I love the Incredicoaster. That's a great roller coaster. If you're in Anaheim, California anytime soon, please go on it and let me know how you liked it. Because I think that even people, I'm passionate about this. I think even a bitch who has motion sickness would like the Incredicoaster because of the twists and turns and the flips. It's all quick. I'm not going to, like, I was, I had just eaten and I went on it and I was fine. But then again, I don't really get that bad motion sickness. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was the difference in premieres in LA versus the premieres in New York because it's interesting like people ask me about that and I didn't even think about it and I was like oh I want to think about that now so I went to the only murders in the building premiere on Monday night and I've been to a couple premieres in New York and the big difference is so I wrote them down firstly less people in LA eat the food but I couldn't tell if it was because there was more food the food was definitely better and I can guarantee you that myself and Selena Gomez were both fucking housing the food the food was really good the LA vibe was like chill but glam like you could have worn anything and fit in but like everybody looked hip and everybody looked cool like there are people in pants there are people in pantsuits there are people in skirts there are people in gowns like you could have literally worn anything and fit in there like the energy is very calm like very calm people are super talkative super friendly I felt like I was talking to a shitload of strangers you know who I talked to the guy who played Dez in Austin and Alley and then he played Joey King's love interest in the act if you haven't watched the act that's a wreck um not much of a party vibe like definitely there was drinks there was partying but i think a lot of people drive there so they can't like party um no fangirl vibes like literally steve martin martin short and selena gomez were like walking around like carola de Levine, like to my left like drinking a beverage that looked like a shirley temple no fangirls no one's taking pictures like i think it was because everybody's in the entertainment industry because i was like freaking the fuck out like and i am a fangirl it's hard to be chill when deep down inside you're a fangirl like fangirling is in but it really felt like an anything goes vibe. So in New York, there's like never enough food because people are fairly eating all the food. It's definitely more crowded. I would say fangirling is definitely okay. Like I've taken pictures of lots of celebrities at those kinds of things. And after a while, it just becomes feral because there's open bars and people don't drive. Um, and then there's definitely a bit of an energy of proving yourself, which I can't tell if it's because there are people at the event that aren't in the entertainment space where in LA, it felt like most people were. Um, and I feel like in New York, you don't really branch out and talk to a lot of strangers. Like I tend to sort of like stay talking to the people I already know, which is interesting. So both interesting. The premiere was really fun. Selena Gomez is, she's beautiful. She really is stunning. It like takes your breath away. And yeah, that was fucking crazy to be in the same room as her. Never did I think, never did I think you guys. But anyway, I, um, got back from LA this week and I'm just trying to, get myself ready gearing up for july it is officially cancer season happy cancer season to all my fellow cancer sons cancer moons cancer risings if you're cancer mars or venus you join the camp with me sister um and my birthday is coming up and i'm not feeling like i'm in a celebratory mood which is fine but i'm actually like i'm feeling a little bit better i think um we've been having conversations about mental health and internet pressure and all that and i started doing this thing oh wait hang on i have to get the book guys you're gonna have 10 seconds of silence so I started doing this thing that I read about in this book. So my agents told me, you have to read the book by yourself, The Fucking Lilies, because it's going to be similar to your book. And we want to make sure there's not like crossover and that your book is very unique to like you, which I think is great because like if we have a similar idea, I don't want to be copying anybody. So I've learned that th this book is very different than my book also, but this is a very good book. So every single morning she journals three pages and um, basically like, okay, what does she say? Okay, so she journals three pages every single morning and she talks about how she does it and how it changed her life. And she says, the first thing you do is admit the thought or feeling that you're having, no matter how dark, petty, or seemingly insignificant. Number two, touch all of the feels associated with that thought. 
vent to your heart's extent. Um, my therapist tells me a lot that you have to let every voice talk, even if it's a negative one. We try to push them down, but then we end up just elevating them because then they want to scream louder. Get curious about why this is coming up for you and commit to a healing action and then finish your emotional mining with this affirmation. I am lucky to deal with this issue now instead of letting it fester. The shimmering platinum lining is and then fill in why there's a silver lining. And I decided to do it yesterday and I did it for the first time and I literally had a breakthrough. Like I had this breakthrough where I was like, and I feel like people have been telling me this, but I was just like, I can choose to be happy. Like I, I can choose to ignore people that are projecting things about me or making up lies about me. I can choose to enjoy and be happy in my relationships, in my life, with my career. And I can just choose to not listen. I can choose to be active and not passive. And like, it was just such a sparkling realization for me that like, this is my life. And I, and I always want to say, practice what you preach, but it's hard. And I was like, this is my fucking life. Like I get to choose to be in the driver's seat. So it was really great. I'm feeling really good today. Um, and that all happened because I read that chapter of that book. So definitely recommend. Okay, so now we're going to get into the episode. Uh, today's episode is about loneliness. And I want to start the episode out by saying, I am not talking about depression here. I am not talking about depression at all. If you are feeling depressed, or even if you're feeling lonely, therapy if you need access to therapy, if you need recommendations, BetterHelp is amazing. They also have financial aid options. Um, therapy. I'm not suggesting like, just be happy. This is not about toxic positivity. This is about loneliness independent of depression. And it could be also about loneliness that exists with depression. But I'm not talking about depression. And I want to make that clear because I don't want people to think that I'm suggesting that all of these coping mechanisms for loneliness are also coping mechanisms for depression. I find the two to be very different. And throughout my life, I've definitely had depressive streaks. But I don't know if I've ever been super depressed. I've definitely suffered from it. But I've never had a pocket of time where I felt very depressed. I do suffer from anxiety. And I have suffered from loneliness. And I do think that they tend to be a little different, even though they can exist together. One can also exist without the other. So please know that is just my PSA before we get into all of this. So I've definitely been very lucky and privileged to be surrounded by people my entire life. You know, like I have had such a fucking support system at home that I is inexplicable. And obviously all families have their problems and there was all, all sorts of shit and trauma that I bring with me. But I was very lucky to be surrounded by a great support system. I obviously had the like people don't understand me phase, but I never really grew growing up. I don't really think I encountered like the true hollowing feeling that is loneliness. And then I moved to St. Louis in 2018 to do an internship at the Muni and I moved by myself. I didn't know one individual in Missouri and my internship program had we were in different departments at the Muni. In my department, I was the only intern and your department made your schedule. So I didn't get a lot of exposure around the other interns. And when I did, there were two of them I loved and I still love. But when I did see them, it was rare because our schedules were so vastly different. So I was completely alone. And on a day to day basis, I was getting up. I was running like 10 miles because I didn't know what else to do with myself. Then I was going home, getting ready, riding my bike to work. I would get to work every day at 10 a.m. And if they would let me home early, I would literally be like, don't pay me. Just let me stay because I don't want to go home. I would literally stay there until like four or five, six o'clock. Sometimes I would stay and watch a show by myself. But the end of the day really looked like riding my bike home, making myself dinner alone, watching something alone or reading something alone. And sometimes the only people that I talked to that weren't my bosses were literally the baristas at Starbucks in the morning. And it was very lonely. And it was, I was also in an emotionally tumultuous relationship that was long distance. And he was surrounded by people that we went to school with, living with people we went to school with. He wasn't living by himself. He, he was having this constant fun and I wasn't. And so I definitely resented that because we didn't get to talk a lot because he was constantly working and constantly going out. And I was constantly alone. And I then read this book because I was in such a woe was me phase where I was like, woe was me. This is so depressing. Like, fucking hate it here. Then I read this book called Let Your Mind Run by Dina Castor. I think that's how you pronounce it. She's a, an Olympic athlete. She's a runner. And she was talking about how she had this breakthrough realization in her running career when she was like, I don't have to run. I get to run. And I kind of had this breakthrough like, OK, I'm feeling so sorry for myself. So lonely. I don't feel depressed. I don't have to live. I get to live. And it totally changed my perspective where like. Like I realized that all of this, like these feelings were like thoughts that started in my brain. And she um, she had this like whole story in the book where she would train with like the Oregon men's running team, which is like the best running team in the country. And it's a pipeline to the Olympics. And she was the only woman. And the coach would have the men or have her start running up this like snowy fucking hit like mountain. And then 20 minutes later, she 
he would send the men to chase her and her goal was to get down the hill and to the finish line without one of them catching up to her and she did it and she was just like this badass who like completely I recommend this book even if you're not a runner because she just like changed her mental like she just completely rewired her brain and it totally changed my life um and then loneliness really came back for me my senior year of college my ex-boyfriend who I was with over that summer um got together with a new girlfriend and she was really beautiful and wonderful and I was so envious and I think you know I instead of rejecting that feeling and just trying to like fill my life with like beautiful exciting wonderfulness and like you know senior year of college I decided to sit with it and let it all out of me and run its course um I went wouldn't could never sleep and I was always just sitting on my porch writing making tea um one of my favorite things to do when I'm sad is listen to um these are a few of my favorite things. That song from Sound of Music. Um, and I'd listen to that a lot. And I just kind of sat with that and was like, okay, what's so uncomfortable about this? And then I kind of realized, okay, for me, discomfort is where change happens. And so I'm really uncomfortable and I don't feel okay. And also I hate being lonely when I'm surrounded by so many people. It almost felt like I was allowed to be lonely when I was alone in St. Louis. But now that I'm in my senior of college house with six really fucking good friends and all my friends around me in Michigan's institute school, and I've never felt lonelier. Like I, I asked myself those questions because I was like, okay, like, you know, you know, what is this? Like, what is this? And I started, you know, trying to find like little shreds of positivity. So maybe watching my favorite TV show or my favorite movie or reading or pushing myself to go out with friends or joining a new club or doing this journaling thing I'm doing. And I had this realization through like both therapy and also um, through kind of sitting with my feelings and and sitting with my feelings of loneliness when I was surrounded by so much love and realized that lonely is not a feeling or lonely is a feeling rather it isn't really a state of being being alone is a state of being so lonely is a feeling and being alone is a state of being being alone is when you're alone physically or maybe emotionally or mentally but it's a state of being the word lonely is a feeling and i think that we have to understand that we can't control our emotions we can only control how we react to them so if we feel lonely we can't control that okay so if you're feeling lonely and you're surrounded by love and you're beating yourself up asking why 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 we can't control how we feel we can't apologize for how we feel we can only control our reaction to that emotion so like beating yourself up and being like i'm lonely so i need new friends i need a boyfriend i need a partner i need this like why am i lonely i'm surrounded by all these people that's not gonna work and it wastes our own time and it harms us further and i think i was definitely trapped in that cycle for a really long time where i was like it's really frustrating to be lonely when i'm surrounded by people well that's because loneliness is a feeling and i'm a and it's it can exist when you're surrounded by a fuckload of people and being alone is a state of being so be loneliness that's not a state of being it's it's a feeling um and i think sometimes when you're lonely and you're in a group and surrounded by love it's harder because you're trying to question it and trying to understand it, but don't question it it exists it's here give it a voice give it a mic say hey I need you to talk. Tell me what the fuck is up, right? Because if we squish down those negative feelings because we're like, you're harming me, it's going to be so energetic to get out of you. Let it out of you. It's how we react. And I know that we love to have something tangible to blame. And so like when I was in St. Louis, it was great to be like, oh, I'm in a long distance relationship. That's why I'm lonely. I'm completely isolated here. That's why I'm lonely. But when you're surrounded by a lot of people, it's hard to have something tangible to blame. So that's why we do the overthinking. Blame something arbitrary and tangible blame the water bottle sitting on your desk and just be like fuck you or blame like the piece of newspaper or paper that's been sitting inside your desk for the last year and burn it destroy it blame like the broken mug that's in your cabinet that you don't want anyway and then just fucking take it down with a hammer blame something if that's going to help you blame something completely arbitrary like an object that you can destroy and destroy it it might be cathartic i don't know so through all of these experiences i had this reflection where i was like loneliness to me, isn't really a bad thing because I think it's when we're forced in a room by ourselves to get to know ourselves the most. We're void of distractions. And we can start asking ourselves questions like, do I like being around myself? Do I am I am I enjoying my life? Am I happy? Why am I not? What could objectively change to make me feel better? It, it strips us bare in a really intimate way. And I think, you know, like they say, like a fitness instructor will be like, discomfort is where you get stronger. And like, they're not wrong. Like when you're uncomfortable, not like if you're like yakking in a workout and like dying, that's not what I'm talking about. But like when you push yourself, you get stronger. And I think that's the same thing with mental toughness. Um, 
And my loneliness in both of these regards was born of things that I felt I lacked. And one of those things was self-worth. I, I lacked liking myself. I lacked seeing myself as worthy. I lacked desiring myself. So how could I ever feel not lonely and desired by others if I didn't even desire me? You know, people play follow the leader with us. And I think that that's something that I always say. But like if someone sees you like acting a certain way about yourself, they're going to latch on. But if someone sees you acting an amazing way about yourself and having all the self-worth, they're going to latch on to that because human beings are like magnets. OK, like we play follow the leader with one another. I think, you know, a lot of times loneliness makes me want to like coil into myself and like literally succumb inside of myself. And that's why I have to be super intentional about my choices. You know, like I felt like I lacked self-worth and self-worth and self-like and the desire of myself in general. So I started to make really intentional decisions about liking myself, about desiring myself. Maybe that's donating three pieces of clothing and getting three new dresses that I look at myself in the mirror and say, you look beautiful today. Maybe that's picking out new three hobbies to try, knocking three things off the bucket list. Maybe it's reading more, taking more time for myself, making your never have I ever list, a list of things you've never done. Like one of mine was literally drink a lychee martini and the night that me and Avery went out and got it, it was just like fun. And it like knocked something off my bucket list and it felt like a little goal being smashed, even though it was a fucking lychee martini, you know? I think like I just started being super, super intentional. And I started to categorize a lot of this in my mind and through therapy and through reading and also so just through existing through this and being very in touch with my emotions, I started to categorize a lot of this and I came up with this thing. There's passive alone time and there's active alone time. So passive alone time is the alone time we did not choose to have. It's finding ourselves alone when we didn't choose to be. Active alone night is like wanting to be alone. Like you plan to go to the bookstore alone. You plan to send your Sunday morning alone. You plan to take yourself out for a drink. That's when we plan to be alone to recharge and we want to be. I think for people with anxiety, specifically myself, passive alone time I struggle with because I feel a lack of control because I'm like, I want, I didn't want this and it's out of my control that I have it now. So I struggle a lot with passive alone time and I try to make my passive alone time more similar to my active alone time. So for example, tonight I would prefer to not be by myself, but my roommate is away and my other roommate is going to see a Broadway show with her boyfriend and definitely staying over at his and my boyfriend's going away. So this is passive alone time. This is alone time I didn't choose to have. I don't really have another option for like someone to spend time with because people are busy and going out of town for the long weekend. And so I am going to choose to make it more similar to my active alone time. I'm going to do my laundry. I'm going to put on a podcast I want to listen to. I'm going to watch my YouTube rabbit holes or maybe Glee. I'm going to read. I'm going to journal. I'm going to get froyo. Like I'm going to make it very similar to my active alone time. So I feel a bit more comfortable with it. And I think... I started to realize the active passive alone time breakdown when I moved to New York because a lot of people will say New York is lonely and I definitely agree with that. I think it's lonely because it's very anonymous. Like there's a level of anonymity in New York City that may, that is very overwhelming, especially because like you don't realize it. Like everyone says New York is the loneliest place or New York is so lonely and you don't realize it until you're actually here. And I think the loneliness is louder because again, you're surrounded by so many people that you're wondering why am I lonely when there's so many people but remember, it we can't question that. Questioning that takes it away from us. You know, it takes that takes the agency away because we're spending all of our time worrying about why. Maybe we should just worry about how we can overcome. Um, and I think New York specifically, the city makes it really tough to see people. Like I always say this, but it boils down to your true friends really are because who you prioritize. Because everyone's on these different schedules and people live in different sides of the city and they're doing different things and like friend groups sort of dissolve and it's an effort. But I always say when you do the work and they do the work, then it works. That's how life is to me. When you do the work and the other person or the job or the place does the work, then it works. And I think community is really important in this regard, you know, joining something, even if it's a book club, even if it's a cooking class, even if it's like a free writing class, meetup.com is really good for these kinds of things. Going places you wouldn't normally go and trying something new. You never know what could come out of that. You never know what new person you could meet complimenting a barista, having a conversation, seeing if that opens something up. Workout classes are so fucking good for this because you will start to recognize people that go to your same workout classes every week or every day or what have you. They don't even need to be your friends. These people don't need to be your friends. It's about feeling a part of a community, volunteering, mutual aid. All of these things can make you feel a part of a community. Join my Geneva and join my Facebook group. I can't explain to you how many people have told me like how successful they have felt that both of those things have been for them. 
that is a really easy way to find community and build it. And there are tons of different content creators that have tons of different groups. I won't feel offended if you don't join mine. Jenna Palak has them. I think Carly has them. Tons of people have. Um, Kate has it um, for uh, CMOS girlies. So join Geneva's. They're really, really good. Um, okay. So I think this loneliness of being an adult and like existing in this fucked up world can be exacerbated when we live alone. I've personally never lived alone in college. I lived with people all four years. And then in my internships, I lived in an apartment with someone who was, um, also having an internship in St. Louis, but we never crossed paths. Like maybe saw each other at home five times the whole summer. Not kidding. And she was really nice. But unfortunately, like we just never were home at the same time. So that was kind of my only experience in being alone. But still, there was like a body in a bed in a room in the apartment when we went to bed. You know what I mean? So um, that definitely existed. (laughs) Like she was there. Um, But I've never really lived alone. And I think um, I know I would just coil into myself and have to be really intentional because the way my social anxiety plays out is that I convince myself that I don't want to go out or do something and I'd rather stay home. But in reality, if I go, I have a really good time. So being intentional is really, really important. Safety is also obviously really important if you're living home alone. And you are in an apartment, in a city, safety. Just lock your doors, be intentional about that. I wanted to start out by saying that. But I think that like, when I think of what my life would be like if I had to, if I lived alone, I think I would have to check in with myself and remind myself to socialize um, and intentionally get myself out of the house. However, I would have to do it. I always forget that like the simplest things I don't want to do because they feel like a hassle. For example, therapy, calling a friend, FaceTiming. They help me so much. Like Veronica and I FaceTimed for an hour and a half the other day. And like, it's always a hassle for me to answer a FaceTime or to or to call someone myself I was so relieved that I called her like it literally took a weight off my chest or like yesterday I like stopped ghosting my therapist and I went to therapy and like I felt so much better afterward and it's always the getting there that's the hardest part but I have to remind myself like think about remember the end goal and always remember the worst case scenario is you don't have a good time you make an excuse and hang up the FaceTime you wasted 45 minutes in therapy you go home like that's the worst case and it's not that bad um you have to have little reasons to leave the house. Even if it's like booking a workout class and you know you won't get your money back, so you have to go. That's just like a jumpstart to your social battery. And it might like just judge you up a little bit or like remind, like racking up points at the local coffee shops that you can get your free coffee, like something like this. Maybe get a dog. Like I'm not telling everyone to get a dog if you're lonely, but I know a lot of people that have gotten pets because they have struggled to get out of the house and they were struggling with loneliness or sadness or any of those things. And the dog helped to motivate them to get them out of the house. And so like, think about it like that. Um, Okay, we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about friendships and like not living close to your friends and loneliness in friendships. So I do want to point you guys in the direction of my friendship episode if you haven't listened to it, because I think I go more in detail about friends that I'm going to go into right now. But Not living close to your friends is really a tough pill to swallow. And I talk about it a lot on that episode, especially because my best friends, two of them, I have like four or five best friends and two of them don't live here. One of them lives in Chicago. The other one lives in London. And it's really hard. And we have to put in the work to plan visits. We have to put in the work to do FaceTime calls. We have to put in the work to text. It's a lot. But you have to be a friend to have a friend in both ways. So if you find that you're the only one putting in any of the energy and this person matters to you, I do recommend 100% that you say, hey, what's going on? Because I really miss you and I want to talk. But you have to be a friend to have a friend and always remember that. You can't just be like, they never reach out to me if you also never reach out to them. You know, it's a harmonious thing. Um, I think if you're feeling lonely around your friends, Again, don't beat yourself up and be like, why am I lonely? I have all these great people in my life. You cannot apologize for that feeling because you can't control the feeling. You only control how you react to it. And when that happens to me, I think, okay, something is missing for me, Eli, in my life, in my body. And it's not my friends. I might be feeling disconnected from them for some reason because I have something going on or something in the world. I could be feeling envious of someone or sad and all that's okay. But something is missing that's making me feel lonely in the in the context of and in the company of people that love me. And that's not their fault. That's not my fault. But that's something that I have control over how I'm going to react to it. Remember, this is a feeling, not a state of being. And it's all about how we react to it. And I would really try to unpack that with myself. I would ask myself questions. I would wonder what I felt like I was missing. And I would also remind myself that 
when we are around other people, we cannot be looking to them to get what we need. If we feel we lack someone, someone else can't give it to us, right? Like if 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 you feel like you lack something in your life, that's only something that you can give yourself. Um, and I think also if you feel lonely around love and around people or significant others or parents, that doesn't make the love that they're giving you or that you're giving them any less important. So don't question love in the face of loneliness. Remember that the two can coexist. And I think that they actually tend to coexist all the time. Um, okay. The loneliness of seeing everyone else have more friends and more plans. That is a perception. Okay. Don't look at it. It is self-harm to taking content that you know will upset you, period. End of story. Why do you think celebrities, like why do you think Taylor Swift says I don't Google myself? Because it's self-harm. So if it's going to be harmful for you to page through Instagram stories on a Saturday night or Sunday morning, don't do it. Set your boundary. Protect your peace. Fill your time. Classes, reading, a new hobby. I don't know what your prerogative is. Baking, all of that stuff. And like, listen, I have like five friends and I have a small circle. And sometimes I do think like, would my life be different if I had a huge friend group? And then I pull back and remember what my priorities are and what I want and how deeply important those five or however, like less than 10 female friends and and, and male friends too, but mostly female friends are to me. And how and how I would never, ever, ever put a friend group in place of them because I'm so grateful. So definitely just remember hindsight is everything. Also making new friends, um, the friendship episode go there for making new friends, but Geneva and the Facebook group, I cannot express it enough. Like people DM me all the time. I went on a walk with my new friends. I just saw my new friends, all these things. Like I met them in your Geneva. I met them in your Facebook group. If you want a Geneva community that I don't have, just DM me. Like someone DM me was like, Hey, can you make an LGBTQIA plus group chat? Made it perfect. Done. Send it. So whatever you guys need, I'm here to serve. I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm fucking doing it all the time. So just DM me. I'll see it. Bump me. Send a chicken emoji. Whatever you have to do. Okay. So sometimes we're lonely, though, because we do look on social media because we're fucking human beings and and I do it all the time. And I wonder, should I have gone? How to reframe a night when you're alone on the couch. Okay. So I'm reading this book, another book, Conversations on Love by Natasha Lunn. And she was interviewing someone about loneliness specifically. And this is what she said. She said, On a Monday night, if you live by yourself and you cook your dinner and you have your glass of wine and you watch your favorite television show, you're maybe feeling like, oh, it would be really nice to supplement this experience with a partner or a friend. But you're not like, I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. I FOMO. I can't believe I'm not out. It's fucking Monday, right? On a Saturday, if you cook your dinner and have your glass of wine and watch your favorite television show and you're alone, you feel completely differently about this. You're spiraling. I can't believe I don't have plans. I'm a loser. I'm so lonely. So when we look at it like that, the only thing that's different is the day of the week. So it's not necessarily about the loneliness, because if it was, we would feel the same way on Monday when we were alone as we would on a Saturday. It's about the story you're telling yourself about your loneliness. It is about the way that we are connotating loneliness as some deeply negative, embarrassing, gross thing and not just some fucking human emotion that we all feel. So instead of saying on on the Saturday night, like, I'm so lonely, this is so embarrassing, like, reframe the story you're telling yourself. You have the power to tell yourself a different story. You know, like, I think I was, I tell myself stories all the time of, like, I was telling myself a story of, like, why I wasn't good enough. I was telling myself a story of why it was embarrassing to be alone. I was telling myself, like, we tell ourselves stories to try to make something come true in our head. But why don't you just sit with that feeling? Ask yourself, why is this so negative? Why does this feel so negative? What do I feel like I'm lacking? How can I fill myself with that? And tell yourself a different story. It's okay to just stay in when everybody else goes out. I can't express this enough. Independently of my social media life and work-related outings in the evening, I have not gone out in the year 2022. Like, independent of like grabbing a cocktail with friends. I mean, out, out, bars, clubs, parties independent of like the Instagram TikTok parties I was telling you about that I had to go to mandatory. I I haven't been out a lot and it's been a shift and I've definitely been experiencing a bit of like, I wouldn't say like, I don't think I'm ever going to be sober, but like sober curiosity in a way where like I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm sober. Like I definitely drink. I love my wine, but like I used to be the person that like would go out and drink seven drinks. And now if I have two, I'm like, that's plenty. I don't really like the feeling of being drunk. I don't like the feeling of being hungover. I don't like how I'm metabolizing it. I notice a change. If you like it, that's all good for you. And I'm happy for you. But what I'm saying is I'm changing and my lifestyle is allowed to change too. You're never one thing. I am not the gal that I was when I was 16, 18, 19. 
19. Fuck, I'm not the person I was when I was 22. As a 23-year-old, almost 24, July 22nd, hit me up. But I'm not the same person, so I can't expect that my lifestyle looks the same. I can't expect that my needs, desires, cares, that all of those are going to be the same because they're not. And that is so important to remember. So it's okay to stay in. Take me as an example. If you're on a Saturday night staying in, you can probably just reflect and think that I am too. Like, I promise you. Like, if you're like, oh, I'm so lame, I'm staying in on Saturday, just be like, oh, Eli's definitely watching SVU right now, like 100% watching SVU. Okay. Now we're going to pivot. We're going to talk about significant others and loneliness. So what we just talked about, I think a lot of times we will say, I'm so lonely. I want a partner. I need a boyfriend. That is not going to cure your loneliness because loneliness is a feeling one that we can't avoid and other people cannot give us what we feel we lack. So if you get a partner or a boyfriend, that's wonderful. It might make you feel a little bit better in many regards. It's not going to cure the loneliness. And I know that's tough to hear because I've like everything I say is never to patronize you guys. It's probably because I've been through it, too. And I sat around so fucking much saying like fuck those people they they look so happy in love like I want to be happy in love why the fuck can't I be happy in love and I would destroy myself like every day and then eventually I was like what if I was just happy with myself what if I just realized that female friendships and friendship in general is equally important if not more important than romantic connection why can't I start why can't I start dating my friends why can't I start dating myself like I think we need to start viewing um our friendships more like romantic relationships and our romantic relationships more like friendships and that's on period and that's a whole different episode but other people cannot feel a void inside of us okay and we can only do that for ourselves and a lot of people are like well you know how can I love someone if I don't love myself no I I think that's bullshit like you can only love someone when you love someone else absolutely not we're never going to fully love ourselves 24 7 365 we don't have to be fully formed what's really sexy is to be human and to lack shit but to know to be cognizantly aware and say i'm working on this i'm a fucking human being i make mistakes i have fault flaws i think you're so cool and i i, I like you and that other person being like I think it's sick that you're a human being too because we're all normal and we don't put each other on pedestals or we try not to, you know? So obviously though, that if you end up getting a significant other and you are lonely or you develop feelings of loneliness while you have a significant other, please remember that you're allowed to feel lonely when you have a partner. It isn't their job to give you something when you feel like you're lacking something that you need to go out and find yourself. And it isn't their fault that you're feeling lonely. And it's really important to open those conversations. Something that I recommend doing. So I have this analogy um, that I like made up, but we we're comprised of many gas tanks, right? Like imagine you're a car, but you have like 30 tanks and the tanks all have like a little post-it on it. And one of them says friendship. And one of them says family. And one of them says romantic relationships. And one of them says school. And one of them says work. And one of them says Uh, passions. And your job in life is to make sure that all those gas tanks are kind of full, that they're kind of hopefully above 50% full. And if they're not, that you're looking for ways on how you can fill them of being super intentional. Or when you see one go on E and you're like, fuck, this is on E. Was I giving too much to people that weren't giving anything back for me? What happened here? Check the levels in your tanks. Okay, so if you feel lonely and you feel like everything else is going well and you don't understand this feeling where it's coming from, check your levels. Have you been prioritizing friendship in the way you need to? Have you called your best friend in the last month? Have you, if you want to be dating, gotten brave enough to go on a date? Have you been having a fulfilling relationship with your partner? Have you felt fulfilled in your work, in your education? Have you felt like you're taking steps forward in your career? Have you felt like you're investing in your passions, your hobbies, the things that make you happy, like fucking getting ice cream or making cookies? Check your levels. And or you can ask someone else, hey, like I've been feeling kind of down lately. Do you think that there's anything going on with me? Like, can we check my levels together? Like you can bring your partner into it. And I think it's the same sort of thing when you're long distance. Like you guys have an obligation to one another because you're in committed relationship, but always check your levels. I can't express it enough. Okay. And then of course we have breakup loneliness and you know, this is a tough one and and I'm not going to be like, it's fine. You're going to be okay because it fucking sucks and it hurts. Remember that a relationship is a life sentence, but a shorter one. You're mourning the loss of a life. The life is your relationship to that person. It's grief. That's grief. You, the, your, the relationship was born when you met and you raised it and planted seeds and watered it and then you had to watch it die and then it died. And maybe one day it would be reborn again, but you don't know that and you can't know that. It's grief. 
that's the, the, the easiest way to say it is that you're going to go through the stages of grief and you're going to be lonely and it's going to be heavy, but you have to be intentional about how you're proceeding and how you're being proactive for your own happiness. You know what? Like not all your tanks always need to be full. So if you don't feel like dating, let that one run on E. You can, you can live your fucking whole entire life without putting any gas in your romantic prospects tank if you don't want to. Um, you know, you can't live your life without putting any gas in your like, I, I, you know, health tank, but like there are certain tanks that you don't need gas in them at all times to run and to run successfully. So, you know, ask yourself, how am I going to reclaim my life? How am I letting myself feel these emotions? Go to therapy. Breakup hobbies are so important. I fell in love with like half marathoning, which I haven't done in a while, but I used to do a lot in college when I was going through a breakup because it was my breakup hobby. Breakup hobbies are everything. Reading was another breakup hobby. Like I've always been a reader like my whole life, but you know, you fall in and out of waves when you're reading more, reading less. And like I got back into reading as a breakup hobby. I think they're just a really good way to consume your time. Okay. Combating the fear of being alone forever or lonely forever. Let me ask you something. And again, I've experienced this and I have an anecdote that I'm going to share with you, but where did you come up with the idea that you're going to be alone forever? Did you come up with this because you've never had a partner, never had a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner? Is that where you're coming up with it? Are you coming up with it because you don't like yourself and you feel like you don't deserve love? Let me tell you something. Everyone listening to this deserves love. I believe everybody deserves love on some level, except for like, you know, a small handful of awful fucking human beings. But that's another story. The pipeline, I've never had someone in my life, doesn't really correlate to I'll be alone forever because think about it think about you're applying for your first job you've never had a job before you've never had a big girl job that's like saying I've never had a big girl job I'm never gonna get one let me let that let it sink in you saying I'm I'm gonna be alone forever because I've never been in a relationship and I'm dating and I'm trying is the same thing as saying I've never had a big girl job and I'm applying and I'm putting myself out there but I'm never gonna get one you don't believe that you choose to believe I've never had a job but I've worked hard and I'm putting myself out there and I'm applying and so I'm eventually I'm going to get a job and hopefully it's gonna be the right job and it's gonna be a fulfilling job and it's gonna be one that's great and the universe is gonna look out for me so this, again, is the story you're telling yourself. Um, and I know this is heavy work. Like, I, like, this is work that I'm working on now. And this is work that I have been working with and through since, like, 2017. Like, very, very predominantly and in the front of mind and, like, making it a priority. This is tough work. And, like, maybe you don't want to do all this work right away. And that's fine. I'm not asking you to. I'm just trying to, like, get it all in an hour. But that's really, like saying I've never had a job so I'll never get one this is the story you're telling yourself what if you just told yourself a story like I'm gonna find someone what's the harm in assuming the best we always assume the worst and it's the universe's job to confirm our assumptions what is the harm in assuming the best there isn't one when I broke up with my very serious boyfriend in college, the one that I like eventually found out his politics didn't align with mine, among other things, but that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. I was devastated because I ended things due to a ideology difference and due to the fact that our futures didn't align. It wasn't because there wasn't love there and you can't help who you fall in love with. And that's the same exact reason that I've been in toxic abusive relationship cycles in the past because I could not help still loving that person. I called my dad and I was really upset. And I was like, I just feel like I'm going to be alone forever because I feel like I let go of love to prioritize other things. But I loved that person. And, and I know that I did the right thing, but I loved them. And my dad said, you, you're not going to die alone. You're not going to die alone, Eli. If you don't want to be alone, you're not going to be alone. And I was like, see, I could just tell myself that story. I don't need to tell myself this like sob story that's not affecting it's not effectively doing anything productive to sit around being like, I'm going to die alone. What is that accomplishing? Making you upset. What if you said, instead, reframe your mindset, be intentional. I can't wait to find that person. When you see a couple walking down the street, instead of saying like, fuck that couple, like I'm going to die alone. I can't wait to have that because you're going to because assume the best. Okay. Now, of course, the loneliness of being single that exists. And I want to remind you of something. It is not superior to be in a relationship than it is to be single at all, ever. We teach women specifically that it is superior to be in a relationship because we've taught women all along that they must aspire to marriage, to home, you know, like being a, a wife, a mother. But no, you can aspire to whatever the fuck you want to aspire to. OK, and let me be the first to tell you, don't fucking listen to one single person who tells you you're supposed to be in a relationship. You're not supposed to do anything other than get that bread, get the head, then leave. Just kidding. <laughs> Other than be kind to yourself and others and work hard and do things for you. So you know what? No. Okay. 
It's not superior to be in a relationship. It's also not superior to be in a relationship with the wrong person just to be in a relationship. And trust me, because I've done it. So we have to stop looking at singlehood as somehow worse than being in a relationship. Being single can be better than being in a relationship. Because like I said, I'm realizing as I edge through my adult life, I think that friendship, specifically female friendship, is the most important connection and relationship I will ever have. I think my soulmates are my friends. And I do want to get married. And I am in love with my boyfriend. But my friends are my soulmates. And they're always going to be. And I don't know why we put them on a lower, like we put them below, put them together, put the, put the friends above. You know what I mean? Um, I also think, like I said, community is everything. When you're single and you feel like a lot of your friends aren't, make friends that are single who want to do things with you, like go out and drink and meet people or like go on double dates and things like that. Remember that you're also telling yourself a story based on the good things you hear and see about a couple. So you might look at my content with my boyfriend and be like, oh my God, that's, I want that. I'm so jealous. He's so nice to her. Like he, you know, bought her flowers and did this. I am obviously not sharing the arguments. I am not, and, and mind you we don't get in a lot of arguments we're in a very healthy relationship that's not what i'm trying to say but every couple has points of contention and challenges i am not sharing the challenges i am not sharing the days where we really really struggled or something almost came between us i'm not sharing that stuff because that's not like first of all it's very personal and private and it involves another person but also that's not the point of my platform to share my relationship trouble when if and when i do have it so remember you're telling yourself a story based on half of half of the full story. So you're just coming up with a full novel based on like a like half written draft. So just don't. And I know it's hard, but be intentional about it. Also, I think taking in content from people who are single really helps if you're single. Not telling you to unfollow me. Please don't. But if you love my content and you're a single person and I I try to like be, you know, I've been single. I love being single. Like I, I always think we have a grass is always greener vibe when we're in relationships and when we're single. But like, I think girls got to eat and listening to the show like they're both single women dating in their 30s. They don't want children. They made me feel so like happy with being single because I started listening to the podcast when I was single and they made me feel so empowered and like they have these like they're just like happy and cool and exciting and fun and like fucking amazing. And like I was like, I don't like a man isn't completing to me. That's not going to complete me. That's not like that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm looking to attain. So I think like same thing with like making friends that are single. So you have people to go out with and like you don't feel like everybody's with their boyfriend but me. Like taking content from people that are single. Like the girls gotta eat thing is a really good example. And like taking content from a wide variety of people. I think, you know, the reason we follow content creators is that in some way their platforms are aspirational, educational, funny, creative. And there are different ways to be all those things. And that's really important. Okay. Another thing. You guys wanna know about turning to men when we're lonely. So I think Glennon Doyle said that that when she looks at coping mechanisms, there are like hard buttons or easy buttons to press and the easy buttons to press are for her like alcohol, food, drugs, like coping mechanisms that have short term effects, like short term euphoria and long term are actually worse for you. And then the hard buttons to press are like going for a walk, going to therapy, FaceTiming a friend, going to a workout class, meditating, things that have long term benefits, but in the short term aren't as appealing. I think we have to trade out the short term for the long term in coping mechanisms. So turning to a one night stand when we're lonely, that's an easy button because in the moment you're going to feel great. You're going to feel great. But then after you might not. And you know what? Sometimes a one night stand can cure a little bit of loneliness and it really depends on the situation. Everything is so nuanced. But sometimes you're going to use that as your easy button and you're going to recognize time and time again, this makes me feel worse why don't we replace it with a hard button? So when we're feeling lonely, instead of calling up Jake from fucking Ki-Fi, we're gonna, I don't know, meditate and call our therapist. Do you know what I mean? And I think for me, like, I kind of backed away from hookup culture because I, I'm very, 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 like, I love intimacy. I love, like, I think sex is like such a high high. It's like a 12 out of 10. But sex with void of emotional connection, I really struggle with it because finishing that high, high, and I'm going like to fill, I want to fill my cup with the emotional part of it. And then it doesn't exist. It's really tough for me to like leave empty handed in that way. So I distanced myself from that hookup culture vibe and I, and I had to be okay with it. And I think like a lot of people in my age range, a lot of my friends love it and that's great. And I'm so happy it serves them. But like, we have different realities. We have different personalities. I am allowed to not like something that you like and vice versa, as long as I'm not making it your problem that I don't like it. Like if I'm saying like, I hate hookup culture and I can't believe that you participate in it, that's fucked up. But if I'm saying, I just, it doesn't serve me, but I'm really glad it serves you. That's totally fine. And if you love casual sex, pop off. I've 
I've done it before, like plenty of it. I've done it when I hated it. I've done it when I liked it. Like you don't have to know what makes you like, you don't have to like, when something makes you feel weird, you don't have to pursue it. Like if eating something made you feel sick, you would stop eating it. So kind of, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Do I miss him or am I lonely? You probably miss the feeling that it was to be involved with this person. And sometimes it's the comfort and it's really hard to separate the two. I think, um, you know, when I was experiencing that, I just gave myself some time. So in the first month, do I miss him or am I just lonely? It's really hard. And it also, it's can be both. And when it's both, that's really tough. And then I said, you're going to wait for six months and you're going to see how you feel. And I felt marginally better after six months, less missing him, more lonely. And after six months, if it's eating away at you and you need to tell this person, I am still in love with you, do it. I'm empowering you to do it. But it, these things take time. These things take work. These things take, take therapy and journaling and moving through something tough. And I just recommend that sometimes you miss the feeling that it was to be with the person. And that's a feeling that came from you. And you will be able to give that feeling again. Okay. So when I'm lonely um, and not like lonely for a long period of time, but just like when I'm having a lonely day or a lonely hour, I'm going to tell you some things that I try to do. Number one, go on a walk. Be just getting out in the world and um, without my headphones on and people watching ultimately and immediately makes me feel like I'm a part of community. Going into a store, a Target, whatever, talking to someone. It is crazy to me how speaking to someone can elevate my mood like 700% even when it's a complete and total stranger. Forcing myself to socialize and reaching out to friends. That one's tough for me, but I try to do it. Watching my favorite TV show or going on my favorite YouTube rabbit hole. Reading. I'm very comforted by other people's words. FaceTiming Veronica or Allie, always really helpful. Texting my mom, always really helpful. Reality TV is helpful for me because it feels like those people are like existing around you. Like who would have thought that I'm like, please like put all of this like random Kardashian content into your brain because no, I'm not saying that, but it actually does help me. Um, listening to podcasts help me too. I sometimes don't even listen to the content of a podcast. I will simply listen to um, Raina and Ashley talk. Um, I'll listen to them like gab to each other or like Hannah Burner's podcast I've been listening to or like any of my friends podcasts I'll put them in the background and I'll just listen um, and I'll just feel like there are there are voices in my there are voices around there are voices in my head I don't feel like that I'm gonna make that clear like there are voices around me that I'm not just sitting in a room alone and when I'm feeling lonely for a longer period of time that's when I start kind of unpacking and doing all of this work I think something that that you guys brought up that's important as well is like how to keep your goals in mind when you're lonely because it can feel like so draining. And you know what? Asking for help is really fucking important. I can't stress it enough. Please ask for help if you need help. I am telling you this is like imagine I just gave you a ask for help credit card and you get points every time you ask for help. Like you're gaining points in my book. I want you to ask for help. Um, but sometimes it's hard to, like, we, we lose sight of our goals when we're lonely because we just are so drowned in that emotion and we're questioning it. Remember to stop questioning it. Start prioritizing how can I react to this instead of why is this happening? And then remember that your goals when you're getting to know yourself at a deeper level, maybe that's the best time to pursue them proactively. And it's okay if you need rest. Like we're going to get there. But Keeping your goals in mind can honestly be a way, can be salvation. Like when I'm feeling really lonely, but I, I remember I have this goal to run a marathon, I'm going out on a run and I instantly feel better. Or, you know, I'm feeling lonely and I have this goal to make my podcast the best it can be and I get to come here and record it. Like I don't have to do that. I get to do that. And it's, it's helping me to feel less lonely because my goals are things that I, that I feel like I lack. Um, and, yeah. So I think that that's, that's really important and just take rest when you need it. Take space when you need it. Like, of course I was just spent an hour telling you guys how helpful socialization and connection and community is, but so is resting. So is sleeping in. So is not beating yourself up for taking the rest of your body needs. Remember that you would never void yourself of food or water. So why do we void ourselves of, or rather we would never void ourselves of water. We do void ourselves of food. Why do we void ourselves of rest and food? Those are things that we also need to survive. Um, and I think, you know, it's really important to remember those things and just like prioritizing yourself and your self-care in a time like this in a time where like we feel more lonely and isolated and helpless than ever. Um, and try to latch on to some form of hope. I think the account so informed every Sunday posts good news of the week and I read it every Sunday and I say, okay, that's a little tiny shred of hope, a baby thread of hope. I've also been doing this thing called HP happiness points. Um, What's happiness points? Like when your coffee is made perfectly. 
sometimes that shit just goes a long way in a day. Sometimes I'm just like, damn, that fucking elevated my spirits because they were low before I had this amazing coffee. You know, do happiness points, check in with yourself, be intentional, be selfish, take care of yourself. I think that's all for me. I hope that this podcast made made you feel a little bit less lonely, um, a little bit less by yourself. As always, I'm here for you guys. I'm doing my best. Um, if I don't answer your DM, it's not because I'm ignoring you or I probably didn't see it. There are so many that come in today and I always check the urgent ones and then I get back to ones that aren't less urgent. But if you want to bump me, bump me. And if I see the word bump, I almost always open it. And I'm trying to help as much as I can. I love you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful, safe weekend. Remember that this fight isn't over and we have a voice and we have an opportunity to live and we don't have to, we get to. And we're going to we're gonna go after it. And I, and I, I hope that this made you feel a little bit better today. Um, yeah. And I love you guys. And, and I hope this is like a hug from the internet from me. Um, and I'll talk to you next week. Next week, we have the craziest, coolest episode. And if you're listening to this, I have a story up asking for questions from my guests. So please go and ask questions. All right. I'll see you guys next week. I love you.